Hey there, welcome back to Choosing Me with Robin Marie. I am so, so excited to be joined by Emma today, all the way up in Canada. Um, Emma and I met through the Not Wasting My 20s group, uh, the group that Katie Burke founded, who I had on my podcast a couple weeks ago. Um, but Emma is the wine expert of this community, and I am a big wino, so I had to have her on my episode, well, not my episode, my podcast to do an entire episode strictly about wine and what we need to know, what makes wine what it is, and also how she turned into the process of becoming a sommelier, which is just such an amazing and really inspiring career. Um, but Emma, I would love to turn it over to you to just give a little bit of an intro about yourself and kind of talk about your journey of like how you decided to go on this path to being a sommelier. Yeah, um, thanks for having me. I'm really excited about being on here. And yeah, I am 24. Uh, nope, that's incorrect. I'm 25. <laughs> <laughs> COVID has me with a ton of brain fog right now. Um, but yeah, so not that I have COVID just that the year in itself has been overwhelming and dramatic. And one of the reasons I decided to pursue being a sommelier actually. So I grew up in a house that was very wine friendly and traveling friendly and kind of like fully experiencing the world the way you feel like you want to and like like coursing your own path through it and charting your own like desires. So we always grew up cooking and drinking and like, hospitality wise for celebrating. So I really came by hospitality as a whole, very honestly. And I ended up going to school for hospitality administration, hotel and resort management. And that was two years ago, three years ago now. And I graduated this just past uh, 2020 actually. Oh, wow. So you were a 2020 COVID grad then, I guess. Yeah, just on the cusp there, yeah. Um, but one of the courses that I had while I was studying was wine, beer, and spirits. And it was taught by a sommelier, a whiskey sommelier, and he was also a voice actor. So our courses and our, our lectures were so dynamic and interesting and phenomenal that it just like kind of hooked me in there. And I was like, oh, this is a job that I can have in the future. Like, this is awesome. That's so cool. Oh my gosh. So first question I want to ask is, so saying someone's a sommelier, that doesn't automatically mean wine then? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You can do, so the most common sommelier is the wine sommelier and they have their own institute as well as like master's program from then on, but you can be any kind of sommelier. So a sommelier just means a individual who has perfected their palate for the thing that they are testing. Oh, wow. That's so cool. Learn something new every day. Love yeah, so you can, you can even have people like, um, like beer sommeliers, whiskey sommeliers, milk sommeliers. <laughs> like it's crazy. Oh my gosh. So with that perfecting one's palate, do you, because wine is again, just as other spirits, as you said, like you perfect your palate, do you personally lean into one type of wine or region, grape, et cetera, that like, that's really where your 
expertise is and you expand out or do you really just become like a general expert overall? I think it has a lot to do with the direction that you choose to like formalize your education. So in terms of my education, I'm doing it in a way that is based off of regional studies and regional development. So I pick a region and I go from like the traditional history side of the grape and the vineyard and the varietal and then I pull information for like what the terroir influences in the wine and for people who don't know about wine or the lingo terroir really just references like oh is there limestone in the earth what flavor does that contribute to is there um sun a certain part of the year how does the sugar in the grape do with more sunlight for photosynthesis versus less sunlight for photosynthesis so it's really like science-based but it's also just interesting learning about wine and grapes as its own kind of species. That's awesome. That's, that's so cool. I <laughs> really even thought of like, I mean, like, obviously like you'll hear people be like, oh yeah, it's very earthy and stuff, but like actually mm. thinking about like, okay, like why is it so earthy? And like, again, the just the photosynthesis process, I'm just like, oh my God, like that actually matters in <laughs> what my yeah. wife is like. And like in terms of learning how to develop a palette as a sommelier, I've realized that I've done it my whole life. But if you really like consider the food and flavors and smells around you and like keep them in your brain as like, oh, this refers to this. This is actually what like rose water tastes like versus a rose bud if you put a flower in your mouth. Like what are you, what are you actually experiencing? Like if you light a candle from Bed Bath & Beyond, what are those real smells? <laughs> Oh my God. That's actually insane. I definitely, I think now for like my wine nights, I need to have like all these herbs and candles sitting mm -hmm. up. Okay. How do I actually, how do I describe what I'm tasting? Um, mm -hmm. so yeah, for then just kind of like covering the basics of wine. I definitely, in my head, I grasp it as like, you have your whites, your reds and your rosés. Um, are there more to that category, those basic three and kind of how, how do in those three or the expansion, how do those come about? Why is white wine white and red, red and rosé and so forth? Yeah, excellent question. So it all comes down to the baseline of how long were the skins and twigs from the plants incorporated with the liquid for? So the color of wine doesn't actually come from the grape. It just comes from the color of the skin of the grape and how long that skin is in the liquid. So red wines, the skin is there longer and the twigs are there longer. And that gives you your like tanniny kind of, how do I, it's like peeling the skin off an almond, that kind of like earthy consistency when you're having red wine. Um, but white wine also like, white wine is just white because they take the skins away immediately and press it in a different way when they're extracting the juice from the plants and red or rosé rosé is just because they let the skin stay while they were pressing okay gotcha so then but also there's such thing as an orange wine and there's such thing as blue wine i was gonna say i've had an orange wine before and really loved it so 
where does the orange wine is it just like again similar to the rosé they just pull it a little bit earlier and then for blue is that just like they pull that later like how do how do those kind of hybrids as well work yeah so orange wine is more incorporating the pulp of the grape as well as the grape juice in it so it's got more of like the organic wine feel because they use more extraction and plant from the grape, I guess. Like they'll keep the pulp, they'll keep the like internals of the grape incorporated in the liquid. So it's not just straight liquid. And then for blue wine, blue wine is super experimental at this point. So <laughs> a lot of people are keeping their secrets on how to make it, but it's very much so like white wine based, but I think it has to do with white wines and green grapes incorporating extra red grape skins in mm, okay so we're going back to like the basic color palette yeah. like mixing our <laughs> blue and yellow okay or not our green and yeah yeah but. it's more of like a purpley so you've got your like your liquidy kind of because most wine liquid is it's on like a yellowy golden side depending on how yeah. they develop it so you'd be mixing a lot of like the yellowy orange notes with like the deep, deep purples from um, the purpley grapes and red grapes. Oh, wow. Okay. So with these grapes, and again, I think in my head when I was younger and honestly, even probably parts of college as well, like my assumption was like, white wine was made with white grapes and red wine was made with red grapes is that not then correct at all and it's more like regional based for the grapes so it's got a lot to do with the flavors that come from the grapes so in terms of like because there's no like if you look at all different like open every single type of varietal of wine there's no consistency across the board in terms of this is only red wine and this is only white wine. Okay. So like, if you take something like a Pinot Noir, a Pinot Noir is normally red, but have, you can also have a Pinot Gris, right? Mm -hmm. So that's the same grape, but it's just the grape itself. You get the red grape from that varietal because it has a longer summer growing season and you get a white grape because the grape color hasn't developed in the grape yet. So they harvest it earlier on and you have a shorter growing season. That's the only difference between Pinot Gris and Pinot Noir, other than the palettes and like the flavors they incorporate. But in terms of color, that's the only difference. Okay, so like whenever you have something at the beginning, is that like more related to the grape? And then like, if there's a second half, so I think of like a Sauvignon Blanc mm -hmm. versus, or like a Cabernet Sauvignon. Like, is it like the differentiation between like, maybe those are bad examples because they live in different areas, but like you said with the Pinots, like that second tail of it, like that's kind of where the difference is when you like can see like labels or types of wine, et cetera. Yeah, it depends. It solely depends on the winemaker. Okay. So you could have the same grapes in the same region at two different wineries and those two different wineries could produce two completely different flavor profiles for the same grape. Oh, wow. Okay. And yeah, then, it's honestly, it's really just an experimentation game at this <laughs> point. <laughs> so how does one figure out like, what are the good regions to buy certain types of wine? Like I know for me, 
like I love like I studied abroad in Italy and so like I love Sangiovese and so like mm-hmm. that is like a big go-to for me and like I always look at like what is near like um like like I said, he brought in Bologna. So like Emilia Romano and um, like the Tuscany area, like that's where I look for. And like with Chianti as well. Mm-hmm. But for some of the other ones, um, what are kind of like the standout regions and like areas should we be looking for, for like the best version of that kind of wine to have? Um, so in terms of the wine world and like what your preferences are for wine and like going from there, I truly believe that it's more of a romantic language than anything else. Like if you have a connection to the region that the wine already comes from, you're more likely to buy it because it'll remind you of the time you were there, right? Yeah, totally. I studied abroad as well. I studied in France and like specifically the Alsace region, which is very, very popular for Gutzschweiners and Rieslings and like on the wider side varietals, but they have such deep and dark reds that come out of nowhere. And it's so like such French, like aesthetic as well as like the French way and old world way of making wine. Mm -hmm. So in my opinion, if I'm gonna like give a recommendation for wine, it really, really just depends on what are you doing with that wine? Like, are you drinking it with certain foods or certain times of the year? Or what is the experience or goal you have in mind for the end result? Because there are amazing wines across the board from multiple, multiple locations, but they're also the same region could have a shitty winery. Yeah, no, totally. (laughs) But yeah, absolutely. It's more of a romantic side. It's more like, what do I feel like kind of inspiring while I'm drinking? Yeah, no, that's a great way to put it. And I think that definitely like thinking about like where I lean, it's all correlations to like what experiences I've had. And like, again, like family or friend connections, like, oh, like they showed me this and so on and so forth. Um mm-hmm. So yeah, so I definitely, I was actually talking about this with a friend earlier um, and we were saying like, we both really like dry wine, um, mm-hmm. but I know a ton of people who really like sweet wine or aren't really sure about wine. And so they're like really entering like on a more, more sweeter side. Mm-hmm. What, what are like some good stepping stones? And also for me, vice versa, being like, maybe not like a snob about dry wines, but being more open to experimenting like a lot of my friends for whites, like it is a sweet Riesling or a Moscato. Like what is maybe like the next step to explore something for them? So I completely agree. A lot of people going into wine, especially around our age group or people that went to university and college and really that's where they open their eyes to wine, yeah. always go for the sweet wines first because they're always the most like um easy to drink kind of fun fruity like not necessarily a serious thing or like a serious intention but they're also just drinking it because let's be honest wine is relatively cheap and exactly it's not a (laughs) hard liquor but it could be a used like one yeah like in terms of college party yeah for sure anything above a boxed wine I am so for (laughs) 
But yeah, no, absolutely. I think it's so important to experiment with what you like and then also push your limits. So if I were to recommend um, a wine to get somebody from the sweet to the dry side, I would recommend something along the lines of like a softer red wine if they're used to more white wines. Because if it's a softer red wine, that'll kind of trick your brain into looking for that dryness, like that dry taste already because you expect it in the red. Mm, okay. So for example, that would be like um, a Malbec. Melbecks are great for that. They're on the fruitier side. They've got more like cherries and raspberry kind of vibe versus like um, the drier apricots or plums. Mm, okay. So for someone with even adjusting to that like white palette, starting with that red, may be able to just kind of like open your eyes more to those like, mm. okay, that's smart. Yeah. Um, and then likewise, like I have, like the biggest thing that I struggle with is like if I'm doing a wine night with friends, and they want sweet wine and I do not like how could I be more accommodating on like a white palette of like I'm not going to be able to drink like a super super sweet Moscato yep. Riesling but like I can step away from like uh like Sauvignon Blanc like that is what I yeah. go to um so yeah you've got definitely two like, options okay. two big options here and the two big options are either pick the the tasting element to go with it that complements the wine of your choosing that they have to eat in order to appreciate <laughs> the wine or pick a wine where it's like kind of halfway in the middle like it's the second wine of the night or second drink of the night kind of vibe where they're already relaxed gotcha okay that makes sense um also for whites i have a question like I feel like they're, I feel like Chardonnays get a, get a bad rep and I definitely buy into that stereotype. Mm -hmm. Um, like, I just like, it's like, sometimes it tastes like too buttery and like kind of oily to me. Um, yep. I would love to like try a good Chardonnay. Like what kind of flavors should I be looking for? Um, like descriptions and so forth to maybe have something that's more like crisp, earthy, grapefruity, definitely more where I like lean for my whites. Mm -hmm. Um, okay. Yeah. Um, so back in the, I want to say just coming out of the prohibition era in history, there was a movement going on called ABC and that was anything but Cabernet. <laughs> <laughs> like absolutely. It was oversold. It was overbought. People were over it. It was the same flavors. It was just it was just the only one on the market and it was the only like glorified white wine that people were aware of at the time, especially in the new world. Okay. So I would recommend like in terms of if you're going to read the label and read the like tasting notes from the winery, look for something that's got more like um, pear, honeysuckle, apricot, um, kind of like not fruit heavy, but the first words you don't want, if you want something less oily and less buttery, you don't want to look for the word toasted and you don't want to look for the word butter, right? Yeah. <laughs> so if, like the hierarchy on a label, if it tells you about the fruit first before it tells you about the texture, then that's the one that you want. Oh, okay. That's great to know. That's awesome. 
And then similarly for reds, um, my ex drank this horrible, in my opinion, like fruit punchy red wine. How, <laughs> how do you get someone to like more of a dry wine? Um, and then again, I think um, for me on the opposite end, I, I'm so rigid and I like drink the same thing all the time. Like I drink like a cab or I drink a Sangiovese. Um, mm-hmm. Like when I started drinking wine, like in college and stuff, I could drink like a Pinot Noir and to that, like that's even like a little too soft for me now. So how do I be more open to more red wines and expand my palate from maybe something that's, in my opinion, maybe starting to get a little too dry to be more like accepting. Mm-hmm. Like, again, like I haven't had a Malbec in years and just thinking about it, I'm like, oh my God, like I used to love that. Mm-hmm. So I would honestly, I would recommend cooking with it. Okay. So not just cooking with the wine and incorporating it into the dishes or into meals that you make, but also cooking with it in terms of like, develop a meal around what you think the best flavors of that wine glass are. Mm-hmm. So if you want like a sweeter red wine and you want to get like an experience with a sweeter red wine, that's like, you know what? I could drink this again. This is awesome. Like it fit the mood and it fit the meal perfectly. Have dessert with it or have like a nuts kind of like apricots, beets and nuts on a salad and then have a sweeter red wine with that instead of what you would stereotypically drink a dry white with. Okay, gotcha. And if it doesn't work out and those flavors don't work for you for that meal, that's fine. Find a different wine that does work with those flavors. Like you've got to experiment with it. No, I think that's a great idea. And then also just talking about like experimenting with wines and stuff. And like, again, wine can be so expensive. Um, Do you think that like there are like, I mean, I know there are, but like good quality wines that have, um, like great flavors, great, um, aspects of the grape and stuff, but that aren't like super expensive. Like, um, are there any brands or, um, I'm thinking brands from more like a, from a Franzia perspective or barefoot. Um, are there any brands that have like a secret, like, oh my gosh, this one, this one, like, um, Merlot is amazing or, um, So I, at this point, like I experiment with wine on a regular basis and I just pick like what I like in terms of like, oh, this label looks cool. I haven't tried this yet. And then I go from that. But one consistent wine company that I've really adored recently is called Bodacious. Okay. And Bodacious has whites and reds and tons of different like palatable, um, like dinner wines, dessert wines, like that kind of thing. But it's so well done and it's so like easy drinking kind of wines. Oh, that's awesome. They're great. Also, I would highly recommend anybody who's drinking wine needs to have an aerator or a decanter. Okay. Because as soon as you introduce air into a super cheap bottle of wine, the flavor changes and it gets better. Okay. That's super good to know. I definitely will sometimes avoid. There's been a couple of times where I've like uh, aerated wine and I'm just like, honestly, I liked it plain but for the cheap ones that maybe that's like that's really what it needs to help it out yeah and there's 
there's a TikTok trend going around now where you put wine in the blender to like super soften all the notes and aerate it as Are fast you as you serious? can. Oh my yeah, God. absolutely. Have Do it. Try it. it. As Pick a, a wine that's super cheap and you know is going to be crappy. Take a sip of it, try it, and then put it in the blender just by itself and then take a sip afterwards. And there's a phenomenal difference. Oh my God. I literally was at Aldi earlier today and it was the first time I ever went and I've been like on Aldi TikTok. So I'm like, oh my gosh, they got like $3 bottle wine. So I bought a couple. So I have like a really cheap red and a really cheap white and I'm definitely Mm -hmm. putting them in my blender now. Oh my God. This is amazing. Yeah. So if you don't like it, you don't like it yet. (laughs) Exactly. I like, that's such a great mentality to have. Um, So yeah, like you were saying earlier, just cooking with it and building stuff around it. What are maybe more in a a general sense, like I know you've hosted some wine nights for the Not Wasting My Twenties group. What are the good basics for a charcuterie board for a wine night? Oh, absolutely. You want to get a, you want to cover all of your bases. So in terms of a charcuterie board, you want something that covers all of the palate notes. So you want something sweet, you want something salty, you want something sour, and you want something that's kind of like the umami bitter side. So I always go for like a nice sharp uh, cheddar or a Parmesan, like a hard cheese for the like umami and bitter side. And then apples, green apples or lemons are always good for the sour. In terms of sweet, it really depends on what you're gonna involve into it, but picking up like a jam or a marmalade or something like that, or even like chocolates or bonbons, really just depending on what your sweetness is. If you want something that's like, hey, I don't have an overly huge sweet tooth, do like mix some cream cheese with some jam. Like it's so simple, but it works every single time. And then your crackers could be your salty aspect. Oh, that's awesome. Okay. Yeah, no, that's what I'm really wanting to get into is like doing like, again, just like wine tasting with friends and stuff and being able to try stuff out. So I think those are some great things to consider. Yeah, having all that's super those. like in terms of building a wine community at the age that I'm at right now, still studying to be a sommelier. I want the like elitist version of what we know wine tastings and wine like ideals to be. I want them out the window. <laughs> oh my God. Yes. <laughs> I don't have the money to afford it. So I have to throw it out the window. (laughs) Yeah, but that's the thing. Like it doesn't have to be that expensive in order to have just like a chill time with your friends or even a chill time by yourself, bubble bath, little tiny charcuterie board or large one, depending on how hungry you are. And then a wine glass in the bathtub. Heck yes. Love that. That is the energy I need. Like, oh my God. I like me and my dog will have our own wine nights. I will get her. There you go dog wine I've seen it pop up every now and then so we'll have wine nights together so yeah just kind of speaking about like again hanging out with friends and stuff like I know we've talked about cocktails before in the past um I thought it'd be super fun to have my listeners kind of understand the basics of like how to build their own quote-unquote hot girl summer cocktail so like what are the basics for someone to make their own cocktail based on their preference and like alcohol choices and like the basic elements to make like a decent cocktail. Oh yeah. I could talk about this one for hours. So (laughs) a lot of my background is also in mixology as well. And I love mixing some custom cocktails or event cocktails. It's like, 
I have a notebook filled with different recipes and different things. I absolutely adore it. So for sure, um, it really depends on kind of the hot girl vibe you're going for. Like if you want a drink that you can drink at a party or like mix in a backpack at a party or in the fridge kind of thing, I have quite a few recommendations. (laughs) But if it's like a drink where you're like, you know what, I'm just going to like scroll on tinder or bumble and just like get my like comments on and my good vibes on then like a nice uh like a fruitier but not as in your face kind of alcohol drink is the perfect thing for that so i would recommend peach is always a really good go-to so is lemonade you can't go wrong with mixing a juice that you really like that's on the sweeter side with any fizzy beverage and the bubles or like bubbly water in general are the perfect addition to alcohol in my opinion so if you even just want straight alcohol like tequila lime lemons mangoes tropical palate absolutely rum you want to go for more of the like earthy notes so that would be like coconut or um sometimes you can even get away with oranges and citruses in that um cherries are great for it raspberries are great for it and then vodka literally anything (laughs) absolutely um and yeah you can't go wrong like my go-to this week because it changes consistently is like (laughs) the cranberry mango juice like the cranberry mango juice that you get at the grocery store mix it with orange buble and any alcohol. (laughs) Oh my God. I love that. So I'm assuming you've tried it within multiple like spirits. What has been your favorite so far? Or does it kind of like wash over it in general that you can't really taste? I love gin. I love alcohol that has its own flavor. If I'm going to drink alcohol or hard alcohol without mixing it, then I'm going to drink it with mixing it. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. Like you got to respect the alcohol as its own ingredient, right? Like you wouldn't add an orange to a glass of water for no reason. You'll add it because you like the citrus notes. You like the like flavor it adds. It's not there for like no point. So I love tequila on the rocks, like expensive tequila on the rocks. If it's cheap (laughs) tequila, I'll mix it. (laughs) I love that. That's say, wait, are you just sipping on like Jose Cuervo over there? Yeah. Like you have to, you've got to still respect yourself. (laughs) Respect your own palate. Don't Don't drink it. (laughs) Oh my gosh. So with that also how I, we've talked about some amazing stuff for like experimenting with wines. How do we experiment with liquor? I feel like something I've said notoriously is I only drink clear like spirits, like mm-hmm. whiskey, scotch, dark rum. Those all scare me. Um, how? Why? I, I, it's just, it burns. I don't know what it is. Um, I'm such like a vodka, tequila, occasionally gym gin um person like I don't know how do you because I feel like again I'm just not like a like I don't like sweet drinks that much so I'm not gonna like probably I don't think I'd get it in like a cocktail that's like super sweet that it would cover the flavor but then mm-hmm. having it straight I feel like it it burns so is okay. it like grow like 
growing a palette for it or are there maybe like some ways to kind of get used to it um is it better on it's the rocks yeah it's really you grow you develop a palette for it for sure but it's a lot of it has to do with just like finding the respect for those flavors mm-hmm. so if you're going to get into scotches and whiskeys and that kind of thing, and you really have the intention to do so, start off being nice to yourself about it. If you're going to start with something that's got like super intense flavors, you want to do something that's got intense flavors that you already like the flavor of. So I would recommend mixing a Jameson and ginger ale. Okay. Like super simple. It's going to cut down on that, like really harsh taste that you're so going to be expecting but it's also a drink that like, if you want to get into hard alcohol, start with a nicer, like a drink that you like as a chaser, not, doesn't have to be an alcoholic drink, but just find a chaser that you're comfortable with and that you like and experiment with how that flavor or those flavor notes are things you're looking for in other drinks. So are you thinking like with the example of like the Jameson and ginger ale, that's a mixed drink, but also, when you say tra- chaser, my head automatically thinks shots. <laughs> <laughs> so are you, are you thinking that again, to like become more acquired to the taste that it makes sense to do like a mixed drink at first, or would you even recommend like taking sips and then again, not shooting it, but like sips and then like chasing it as needed? I would a hundred percent start with mixing a hundred percent. Like, again, please be kind to yourself, but that's also so jarring on all of your senses to just like shoot alcohol you don't like, (laughs) then you're not going to develop a love for it. Like, let's be romanced by the drinks that we like. I love that. Again, I really appreciate the romance lens that you put behind it because yeah, there's definitely times when I think back to college and drinking where I was like, I'm not practicing self-care. I do not love myself drinking this. Like <laughs> it is just painful. Exactly. Yeah, no. Jameson yeah, um, ginger is a good one. Or even if you have like a bubbly, um, cause I always find that the bubbly mixers or like those types of things with effervescence are like almost distracting to your brain. Totally. Unlike to your taste buds. Yeah. I think that's the reason I survived college on so many vodka sodas of like cheap, like vodka was definitely the song. Absolutely. <laughs> so again, just kind of maybe like wrap things up. Um, I mm-hmm. do get a hot take from you. What are your thoughts on like canned wines and seltzers, like alcoholic seltzers? So I know this is going against all sommeliers and how they believe. <laughs> Holy do I love a good canned drink. Like canned seltzers and canned like the Trulies and the White Claws and those things, they just need a little bit more flavor. Like I'm not here for the low-cal stuff unless there's purpose to it. Yeah. Like I want to enjoy, the whole point of the can is that I don't have to do the mixing, which means it should taste good. Totally. Is there any ways that you've enhanced like the White Claws or Trulies to like put them a little over the edge and make them better? Yeah. Mio. Mix Mio with all of that. Really? Okay. I haven't gotten behind the Mio trend. I've seen people on TikTok where they're like, I just throw Mio and vodka and call it a night. And I'm like, that's terrifying. 
I mean, yeah, just the vodka and Mio, absolutely terrifying. But like mix a little bit of bubbly water in there and it's the same thing, but it tastes so much better. Like I was in college and all I did was like what we called vodkas. So it was water and vodka with Mio. Love that. Oh my God. That is so great. I, I was actually, what I did, I drank this like every weekend in college was a uh, diet peach snapple and vodka. Yep. And I carried, and it was so stupid. I carried around the glass bottle, which always broke. Um, <laughs> but yeah. yeah, no, I definitely, I guess, I guess I got to get a Mio, but no, I love, I love the convenience of a seltzer specifically in the summer by the pool. Like it just makes things so oh, much easier sure. and then having a cooler. Um, yeah. Um, so yeah. So just like kind of wrapping things up, I, would love for you to just talk about again like the platform you have and where people can find you and so on and so forth and all that good stuff absolutely um so I actually I'm working on starting a company for hosting wine tastings and alcohol tastings virtually oh my god yeah I'm so excited about it but the hitch is like with the ticket fee for that you get what everybody else is tasting sent to you in the mail So we're all tasting the same thing. We're all having the same notes about it. We're all experiencing the same thing from wherever you are. That's awesome. Oh my gosh. Any rough plans on or rough ETA on when we might be able to? Yeah. The, so the website is almost finished. It's called Psalm Love, S-O-M-M-L-O-V-E for like sommelier love. Love it right um and then yeah so that's gonna be a huge project that I've been working on and getting up and moving I think it'll be up before the end of the month which is a really exciting part oh my so this god wow. right in time <laughs> perfect timing oh my gosh yeah and then I also have a podcast it's called the ramblings of a tired girl <laughs> love it totally and it's just yeah it's just a brain dump kind of situation about being in 25 and making it up as I go along totally relate that is definitely the essence of choosing me and just like again putting your happiness first and figuring it out along the way so I totally love that um yeah yeah, and I'm on Instagram major Emma Mm -hmm. super simple that's all I am perfect um, I do want to close out with one last final question. And this is people, stuff I've been asking people recently, because again, I think so much of my life in the past year and the reason I started this podcast all came out of the life trajectory that came out of COVID and stuff. And so with vaccines and stuff and so forth, moving forward, what are like your top three things that you're most excited to do? My Wi-Fi went down. Can you repeat the question, please? Of course, yeah, no worries. <laughs> so um, with like vaccines and like the world hopefully moving on past COVID in the coming months and so forth, what are your like top three things you're excited to do like in a non-COVID world? Oh, I'm excited to sit on a patio and people watch again. Like, I just <laughs> want to see humanity interacting with humanity. I miss it. Oh or going God. to a museum. I also love museums and art galleries and I'm so bummed that I haven't been to one in so long. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I, I'm, I honestly had not thought about a museum. Yeah. I, for me, it's been like 
live concerts and stuff and going out to bars um but yeah no I, yeah I have not been to a museum yes crazy. just being around people is basically the baseline seriously yeah no just need that human interaction but in the meantime I'm gonna drink my wine so <laughs> yes words to live by awesome well thank you so much again Emma for coming on the show and teaching us all about wine I definitely just have like so many mental notes of like oh my god I need to go buy these wines and I need to like pull out my blender and all this good stuff um so yeah thank you so so much again and I hope to have you back on soon and definitely would love to have you talk about your exciting company launch um and what that all looks like so people can get involved and have their own wine tastings as well until next time, this is Robin Marie, and keep choosing you.